we look for um, an asset that's going to deliver for our investors, number one, something that we think we can generate cash flow and appreciation from, and it you know, must do that. We're pretty value conscious and value sensitive. And well, if you are just tuning in today to this series of shows with Craig, I hope you'll go back and listen to yesterday. I mean, he jumped into, he had a career in Wall Street and then he has took a massive pivot to commercial real estate and is completely, I mean, 100% into this business. I mean, now 2000 units, hiring, scaling, we covered a lot of that yesterday. And he shared even some things about his transition that I was so thankful for because I get questions about this all the time. He, he talked about how maybe he didn't do it the right way, but he's he told you how to do it now the right way. And I hope you'll go back and listen, even uh, his hire, some of his first hires and how he did that. Uh, and even some of the current hires, high level hires that, he, that he's recently hired that uh, I know as you are trying to scale your business, you're going to learn a lot from. Uh, Craig, welcome back to the show. Looking forward to diving into how you're finding deals and maybe this what you think about the economic market today. Whitney, thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, let's let's do it. Let's jump right in. And I, I told the listeners yesterday we were going to talk about how you're finding deals. And I know for us over this last year, it's been slow on the deal front. Uh, however, it's really been good timing for us. I mean, we, we have done some deals, but it's allowed us to focus a lot internally and, and build some systems, processes, and things that man, have really helped us, uh, I think, in a big way. But we still need to, we st we're still looking for deals. Uh, so what about you all? Let's talk about, you know, what do you all look for, you know, when pursuing deals? Let's, you know, let's take it kind of basic. What do you look for? What, what makes a deal for Craig? Let's go into strategies of how you're finding them. Wow. Uh, what do we look for? Well, we, we look for um, an asset that's going to deliver for our investors, number one something that we think we can generate cash flow and appreciation from and it, you know must do that we're pretty value conscious and value sensitive and probably cost me some deals in earlier years and hopefully will have saved me during this cycle some but we have to you know create value for our investors beyond that you know what do we look for we're trying to build a diversified footprint of A's, B's, and C's and, and a geographically diversified footprint as well across sort of growth markets, mostly in the Sunbelt locations. I sort of bucket deals as, you know, could I own this deal long term, which would probably happen through a series of recapitalizations every four, five, six years, or is it really just a trade and, you know, four or five, six years and, and then sell it out? You know, we do want to build scale and you don't build scale by selling off all of your assets. And so recapitalizing deals that we, that we love in terms of demographics, or, or location or physical condition of a property is, is something that we think about. But we're looking to create value. We're looking for great locations, hopefully improving locations, growing locations. And, you know, obviously beautiful properties are better than uglier properties and deals that can be attractive to, to the next owner is always good. And, and then lastly, you know, a four or 500 unit deal is the same amount of work as a hundred unit deal. And you make four or five times the progress in terms of scale. So, you know, we are gravitating more towards deals that are, you know, over 200 units, you know, as, as sort of a baseline place to start. Nice. Yeah. Are there any specific metrics that, that you would say, you know what, if it can't deliver this IRR or, or this cash on cash or whatever that we're just not even going to look at it. There's not any one deal breaker. We look at everything when we look at a deal, price per door, price per foot, going in cap rate, you know, year five 
perspective cap rate right now with SOFR at 400 bips and, you know, bridge debt spread starting at 400 bips, you know, borrowing bridge debt right now at 8% is particularly painful. So we're, we're really not looking at bridge debt deals right now unless it's just an absolute home run overall cost basis. So that would be one thing in the in the current environment that sort of, you know, is a no. But, you know, we we look holistically at the asset and, you know, frankly, we've looked at so many deals, underwritten so many deals, you know, uh, sifted through so many deals before we underwrote them that we sort of, you know, have a have a strong sense for what is value, what's attractive, what's not. And, and I don't know if that's enough on that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's helpful. I, I just, I get that question too, all the time. Uh, and it is, it's not just like this one thing, right? It's numerous things that are going to tell you, you know, if this is something we should pursue or not, you know, you also mentioned, you know, is this a, a long-term purchase, you know, or is it something that we're going to trade? Could you speak to maybe that decision-making process a little bit, you know, or maybe how you're looking at that deal or why you would take one deal knowing that we're going to trade it quickly versus taking a deal that knowing we're going to keep it long-term? Sure. You know, it's really just about the location, the demographics, the market growth, and probably the the physical characteristics of, of a property. But, you know, we may not particularly know when we're going into a deal, if it's, if it's a deal we want to own for 20 years, or if it's, you know, a deal where we say, hey, life's too short, let's get out of this one. You know, you might find that out over the course of your first 12, 24, 36 months of ownership when you, you know, have conversations with yourself when things come up and you figure out, you know, what you really want in life and how much support you have and and how the asset really performs. So, you know, we recognize that as sponsors, we really make our money by realizing promotes. We have to hurdle a seven or eight percent annualized IRR look back return for our investors. And when we do that, we start to share in the upside. That's when we make our economics. And so to really have resources and money to pay employees and to go do deposits and to go do future deals, you have to sell. And selling could mean you sell to an independent third party and you realize you promote. Or selling could mean, again, you recapitalize uh, with a new group of investors and you, you sign up for another tour of duty with that deal. And so, you know, we need to fund the growth of our business and and realize exits. Also, I don't know very many investors that want to be into a deal forever. So even if you love an asset, you still have to at some point transact either, you know, internally or externally, unless you're investing your own money, which would be a great place to be. Yeah. You know, speak to some of the strategies you all are using to to find projects right now or sourcing sourcing deals. Right. So, you know, in terms of sourcing, there's sort of two, you know, high level categories. Is it on market and brokered or is it off market? And there's, you know, detailed strategies that we're pursuing within both buckets. You know, everybody loves off market. It's hard to get true off market deals. I don't mean the same deals that are passed around like bad candy by all of those quote unquote off market brokers. I'm talking about true direct to seller off market deals. Those are hard to source. It's usually if you have a substantial presence in a particular market, you can get an early call. It might be if you're employing virtual assistants or other sort of outbound resources to find and uncover those opportunities, right? The reality is with CoStar, all of the owner's phone numbers and emails are in the system. And now, you know, owners are getting 
multiple outreaches per day, per week. Hey, do you want to sell this deal? You're getting stuff in the mail. You're getting phone calls. You're getting robo texts. You're getting everything. So, you know, doing the whole outreach to, to direct owners is difficult and competitive. And we haven't been that successful with it. And we need to do better. There's also the sort of relationship aspect of sourcing off market, which is, you know, other operators, you've met them, you've transacted with them, or you've, you know, met them repeatedly at conferences, or you're in the same circle or tangentially in the same circle. And you reach out to those folks and try to make something happen, you know, owner to owner. Yeah, I can relate to numerous of those things you're talking about. And even as, you know, as we own project, numerous projects now, I get those same things all the time: stuff in the mail, letters, calls, or well, you know, whatever it may be. Have you guys been able to buy off market? We, it's been about broker relationships for us. I mean, it's been some key brokers that we've tried to grow relationships with, or done deals with, and that have brought deals to us. Love that because I was going to say that almost all of our deals have been on-market deals, broker deals. The reality is multifamily is an institutional asset class. Most of the good deals are institutionally owned and institutions want to run a process and check that box and, you know, offload legal liability by running a process. And, you know, there's not a lot of 50 to $100 million assets where one person is controlling that asset and says, okay, yeah, you want to transact? Let's go. Right. Have your attorney call me. Right. A lot of cooks in the kitchen when you're dealing with with institutions and institutional assets. And so, you know, what I've found is most of the quality assets are brokered, are listed, and and that's how we've built our business as well. Yeah. At least at the moment, not to say it won't change in the future in some way, uh, but I feel like the, the time and effort spent on broker relationships will, you know, it's given us more opportunities, more deals than if we had spent the same amount of effort, like doing all the things you were talking about through CoStar or, you know, just going direct to seller. Uh, you know, I think we've received more larger opportunities and, and more frequent uh, by those relationships and putting effort, you know, there. Not to say we'll never do the other, but that's at the moment anyway, for us, I think that's been beneficial. I know we're, we're going to talk a little more about broker relationships, but maybe this is even a good time to talk about that. Uh, you know, any other strategies behind, you know, or maybe what you all are st- have stuck with or what's proven best for you all you mentioned on market, you know, obviously because of the type of projects we're looking for, it's not normally the mom and pop owner that owns them, which, you know, is what you're talking about. It's not usually one person that owns this $50 million project. It's very rare, you know, that you would see that. Well, let's talk about the broker relationships a little bit and how you all have built those solid relationships or some tactics, you know, behind how you've done that well. Sure. Well, you're getting into the special sauce a little bit. I'm sure everyone thinks that. I probably didn't realize how important the broker relationships were when I got into this business, but they're really behind the scenes, you know, pulling the puppet strings of, or, you know, have an early look at, at opportunities and so on. So we do a few things. One, first of all, we try to be kind and appreciative to the brokers for all the hard work that they do and for the role that they play and appreciate and recognize them. Secondly, we try to stay in front of them and have regular communication. You know, sometimes if 
you know, an opportunity comes for an early look, or there's a neighbor who will sell, or a deal's just coming to market, the seller's open to preemptive or early offers, just having regular communication and being front of mind with these brokers and being one of the last 10 or 20 groups that they've spoken with can be helpful towards securing those sort of early opportunities. 21 was an incredibly challenging year to buy. 22 is an easier year to buy from a competitive standpoint. Now there's less supply out there of deals, but you know, we're hanging around the hoop right now. We're just constantly in touch with the brokers, asking them, hey, what do you have that has fallen out of contract? It's a broken deal. You know, sellers who have to sell their market sellers for whatever reason. You know, there's a number of reasons why folks would be market sellers in late 2022. You know, some of those reasons are death, disease, di- divorce, end of fun life distress at that property or in other parts of their portfolio. Maybe they took a bridge loan in 2020 that's, you know, floated meaningfully higher and they can't get an extension. They're, you know, either selling that deal or selling other deals to raise cash for that deal. But we're looking for market rate sellers who will sell at a lower price or who have some other reason to sell or or maybe a deal that's broken and is going to trade at a at a meaningfully lower price than it, than it would have three or five months ago. So we're just in constant communication with brokers, canvassing, you know, keeping a dialogue going. It's interesting. You know, one of the first things you mentioned was like, be kind and appreciative. (laughs) You know, like you would think it would go without saying, but it does need to be said, right? Everybody appreciates being appreciated, right? Or somebody being kind to them, brokers included. Can you elaborate on that any, or or even the, you talked about, uh, you know, being one of the last 10 people they've spoken with or constantly staying in touch with them. Any other way, do you all track that? Do you, how do you reach back out? What's kind of the system there? I'm too busy to spend too much time doing that and just pounding the phones on that myself. We do have a couple of acquisition analysts that are sort of in charge of that. And we sort of assigned, assigned them various states. So, you know, one analyst owns Texas, another one owns Florida. Um, and we sort of divide and conquer from there. I do, of course, make my own outreach, you know, but I am sort of driving the team to come up with ideas. And so twice a week, we have an ideas meeting where two or three members of our team are sort of required to come to the table with one good idea. And so we are motivating and pushing the team internally to come up with ideas. And the way you come up with ideas is you, you know, have a broad reach, broad outreach and and constantly stay in front of folks. And so we're, you know, I tell these analysts, these acquis- our, our acquisition team, you know, you should really be on the phone with the brokers from nine to one, nine to two, nine to three, whatever it is. And, you know, then after that, you start underwriting the best deals that you've, that you've sifted through. And, and, you know, we don't just underwrite, we, we screen first. And if it makes sense, then we underwrite for effective time management. But, you know, that's sort of the process I'm pushing them. They're, they're pushing to come up with two ideas a week, basically. And these ideas would be around deal sourcing. Is that what you're, I mean, specifically? Yeah, ideas like, hey, what do we, we just closed an acquisition last week. What's next, right? We, we need to feed the beast. So that's awesome. I love that. Uh, it, just that, yeah, pressure. They, they come knowing, hey, we got to have some ideas here. It makes them constantly thinking to, or keeps them constantly thinking. Uh, and I like that. And even the, 
helping segment their days a little bit. The first half, you're focused on beating the phones, right? Pounding the phones. Uh, and then the second half, hey, okay, what do we have? What should we be underwriting right now? So any other tactics or how about, uh, what do you see most investors doing wrong when it comes to broker relationships or networking with brokers? You know, I don't see stuff other people are doing wrong. I think it's a highly, highly competitive field and a lot of our competitors are probably doing a bunch of things right. And I just have to work harder or, or be smarter, you know, than those folks. I guess when you sort of joked and if you, if you bought a deal in 2021, you're either the smartest guy in the room or the dumbest guy in the room or, or both, you know, but firms that have are big and have built up scale, they know the importance of broker relationships. And, you know, a lot of those folks are doing everything right. That's sort of taken me time to, to learn the business. So. Yeah, well, I want to you know jump in in this next segment a little bit about your thoughts on the economy and the market. I think it, you know to kind of come right from what we're talking about right now. Even you said you know if you bought a deal in 2021, you're either the the dumbest <laughs> operator or the smartest. <laughs> but yeah, I want to jump into that a little bit uh, and just get your thoughts on what's happening, what you expect over the next six to 12 months, and maybe how that's or has you know changed how you all are looking at deals and how you're underwriting deals. You know, how do we know right now what makes a deal you know, for Craig or for us? Thank you again, Craig, for another great session today. How can they get in touch with you and learn more about you, Craig, and your business? Whitney, thanks so much for having me. If anyone wants to get in touch with me, they can find me on email, craig at avidrealtypartners.com. Reach out anytime. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.